1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to move along here in our study of 1 Corinthians and uh, really kind of pick up here in verse 14, 15, 16, and uh, then get into verse 17 as kind of the footing here. Verse 14, Paul says, I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I had baptized in my own name. And I baptized also the house of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. So as, we're, uh, as Paul is dealing with the contentions and, coming, and divisions coming out of chapter or verse 10 and 11 there, and he's introducing the four gentlemen in, chapter, in verse 12. Now this I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were ye baptized in the name of Paul? So as Paul is going to deal with now the contentions and the divisions at Corinth, and I'll say again, this is lesson number nine, and I think I've said it nine times. What we're going to be looking at over the course of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians is you see the exact same issues today in the church today in, in uh, August 20th, 2023. And it's sad that that's the state that the modern church of uh, his body, really, the, the corporate of it is really a Corinthian church. And by the way, we'll get over into the book of Galatians, and guess what we'll find? It's also a Galatian church, and, and it's too bad of that. And how they get there is these four divisions in verse 12, and, and we've been looking at that. Now, for the very first time in Paul's epistles, and really the only time in Paul's epistles, is he's going to discuss water baptism, okay? Now, he will discuss spirit baptism, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. He will discuss our identity being baptized into the death, burial, and resurrection, Romans 6, 7, and 8, but that's because baptism, the word baptism, it just simply refers to being identified, identification, making someone or something manifest. That's all that it means. Water is a mechanism, uh, the Holy Ghost is a mechanism. Fire is a mechanism. Uh, you know, you got all these, I think somebody counted one time like 13 different baptisms in Scripture. So when you think about that, when he talks here now for the very first time, and really the only place where he specifically refers to water baptism, it's important to note why he makes the reference, Okay. Why is he referring and make and drawing, bringing in this issue of water baptism? And the reason, I'll tell you, is because water baptism has become a bone of contention. It has become a, 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 a it's become problematic, see. He, 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 he brings up water baptism because it's not a unifier, it's a divider, see. It's bringing, it's, the, it's the, the center of the divisions and contentions here at Corinth, but also when you roll back into the church today. Um, you know, you have some that do, some that don't, some sprinkle, some dunk, some throw you in and bring, turn you around the washing machine and spit you back out. 
Some you got to be down in the river. See, some you got to be in a bathtub. Some you got to, and, and it's just, so it's all of these contentions. And again, where we, what we're going to see here is Paul, we never find Paul saying that water baptism is a good thing or beneficial or needed or necessary. Actually, he's going to say it is the cause of the divisions and the contentions. It is losing its influence. It's losing its import. It's not important today in the age of grace. And yet it has what? Still there. It's still around. It's still being used to cause divisions and, con- and, and contentions. And honestly, Paul lays it out clear that it's problematic. And in, that's verse 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize. Well, we know he does, but there's a reason behind it. We'll get there when we get down there. But to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. So if you insist that water baptism has a place in the church today, the only way to accomplish that is with the use of wisdom of words. See. That's why we spent two weeks looking at Christ, Apollos, Peter, Paul. Why? Because those are four different doctrinal systems. This is not about likability. It's not like a, about personality. I told you, how in the world could the Corinthians know to like Christ when he's been dead at least 20 years and he never was in their area or their territory in his earthly ministry? They, why? Someone's come in. We follow the words of Christ. WWJD, what would Jesus do, right? That's wisdom of words. It's dancing. So, the, you, so here, again, because... By the way, what do they usually say when they, when they impe- implore you to be water baptized? What do they usually say? It is an outward expression of an inward transformation or inward faith, right? Do you know that there is no verse that says that that is the purpose of water baptism at all, period, in Genesis to Revelation? It, it, what is the purpose of water baptism? It's to identify the little flock with the Messiah, and the Messiah with the little flock. It's to identify the priesthood, the people. Say It's never to identify an outward expression of an inward faith. What they do is they, pull, they go back into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they pull those verses out about by their fruits you shall know them, and they twist that stuff around. By the way, that has nothing to do with water baptism either, by the way. Okay. So when you begin to teach and use and say, hey, we're going to water baptize because it's an outward expression of that inward transformation or faith. The, verse to ask, the question to ask is what verse tells you that that's the purpose? Show me the verse. They can't. It's a wisdom of words. By the way, the wisdom of words, verse 17, says what? It devalues Calvary makes the cross of Christ of none effect. It devalues the work, the finished work at Calvary. And how they get about it is they use wisdom of words. 
And that's what makes and keeps water baptism important today. It's a ceremony, and we have to do the ceremony, you know, and it's just yakky, yakky, yakky. Why? Because of verse 12. You've got four different doctrinal systems. You've got Christ and his earthly ministry. You've got Cephas. By the way, in the list, they're backwards from history. Paul, the revelation given to Paul. Then you've got Apollos, and we look there in Acts 18, Apollos at this moment, and the reference here is the issue of going all the way back to John the Baptist. And then you've got Christ and his earth, and then you've got John, or Peter, Cephas, that's Acts 2. By the way, in Acts 2, what did they get? <laughs> they get the Holy Ghost. How did they get the Holy Ghost? They repent and be baptized. So what's the evident out, what is the, the evident working of that you are filled with the Holy Ghost? You're able to do what? Acts 2, speak in tongues. What's happening at Corinth? They got those spiritual gifts. So there's a group that naturally navigate, or navigate gravitate back to Peter and Acts 2. What does most of the church today say? When did the church begin? Acts 2. Why? Because it's, it's something that we just, it's wisdom of words. Okay? Now, last time we kind of got into verse 13. We'll pick up in verse 13 and move forward now. Again, these are four different doctrinal systems. Not like ability. By the way, Peter would have never went to Corinth in Acts. He, he ain't doing. What did he do in Acts ten when the Lord sent him to Cornelius? No, no, and no, and he probably used a colorful word or two in there. Why? Because I'm not. That's breaking the rules. And what did the Lord say, Pete? Don't you call unclean what I now call clean? Why? Because Acts nine. See. Doctrinal statement, doctrinal differences. Verse 13, the question, is Christ divided? Now, you, you read the books on that bad boy and everybody gets all, it, Paul is not saying that we, the four, are all saying the same thing doctrinally, teaching the same thing. Paul doesn't teach the same thing as the earthly ministry as Acts 2, or as Apollos with John the Baptist, picturing J.B. He doesn't preach any of that. What did he just say? I wasn't sent to baptize. Those other three guys are all sent to baptize. See? He says, no, I wasn't. So when he it isn't, is Christ divided, as in we're all, you know, don't you know, we're all saying the same thing, so Christ can't be divided? No, what he's saying here is, is would Christ have all four Systems of doctrine operating at the same time? The answer is no, he doesn't. He wouldn't have it that way. Why wouldn't Christ do that? Well, because that brings in what? Divisions and contentions. See? Paul, the Lord Jesus Christ goes and tells Paul, to go teach some information that contradicts what he taught in his earthly ministry. So the words of Christ today are found through the writings of Paul, the revelation given to Paul, and those contradict what the Lord taught in his earthly ministry. Why would he? That, that just, it's irrational. See, what is it? Wisdom of words. We want to follow the red words in our Bible today. Well, the Lord didn't stop speaking 
after the ascension, he kept speaking just over here now to the Apostle Paul. Okay? Again, how do you recognize the difference? 2 Timothy 2.15, what are we going to do? We're going to rightly divide the word of truth. And we have to recognize what God is doing today and who he's using to reveal the truth for today. That's why Paul says, chapter 3, I'm the master builder. Chapter 11, follow me as I follow Christ. Chapter 14, verse 37, let him that is spiritual or think he's a prophet or spiritual acknowledge what? That the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. See, That's why Paul says, I'm the guy. And again, I, he's never, it's, it's fascinating. We've been studying Mark on Wednesday night, and we're, at the, and we're in the cross scene. And the Lord, when the Lord answers, he never answers the false accusation. But when they ask him, are you the king of the Jews? He answers because he's answering a doctrinal issue. He never answers the false, but he, every doctrinal attack, he answers. Are you God? Yes. Are you the king of the Jews? You said it. Who told you to say that, by the way, Pilate? <laughs> See? What does Paul do? Paul never promotes himself as a good guy. He's off-scurring. He's a blasphemer. But when it comes to who he is in his office of apostle, he defends it to the death. And that's what's happening here. Verse 14, I thank God that I baptized none of you. I'm sorry, verse 13. Was Paul crucified for you? Well, no. Or, now here it is, were ye baptized in the name of Paul, doesn't say by Paul, it says in the what? The name of. Why? Because it's in the name of, see? And then they get that wonderful little formula of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. By the way, that's not the formula for, for water baptism, just FYI, Matthew 28. Paul will, anyway, it's, you, you, I think about just the oddity of things that religion says, and, it, and they'll use Matthew 28, but Peter doesn't say in Acts 2.38, be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. He just says, repent, and you'll get the Holy Ghost, and be baptized and you for the remissions of sin. He doesn't give a formula. Why? A Jew doesn't need the formula. Who needs the formula? The Gentile does, because the Gentile doesn't acknowledge the Godhead. That's what Matthew 28, by the way, that's who they're doing it with in Matthew 28 is the Gentile nations in the millennial kingdom. By the way, Paul, when he talks about baptism, by one spirit are we all baptized. One Lord, one faith, one He never uses a abracadabra. He actually calls it in Colossians 2 the operation of God. <laughs> See? So we get this formula stuff floating around. So now it's you got to do it in the right formula, and you got to do it with the right tub of water, and you got to do it with the right mechanism. You know, and it's like, what is it? Wisdom of words. So he says in verse 14, I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest that any should say that I had baptized in my own name, and I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. And again, what is Paul doing? He, Paul is here, the, the contentions and the divisions over this issue of water baptism because the four men... The four doctrinal statement, the, the systems teach differently about it. And then 
You guys are saying over here that I was baptized by Christ, I was doing this. And he goes, I thank God I baptized none of you. Now, we know Paul does in Acts, okay? But right here, this isn't the rest of Acts, see? The usual thought here, the usual teaching here is that they, people, the preachers say Paul is thankful that he did not baptize the Corinthians because of the divisions and the, the uh, uh, contentions. What? Where is that at? See, See, they failed to recognize the church at Corinth was established in Acts 18. Paul doesn't write... Or 1 Corinthians is written in Acts 19, a couple years later. When he started the church, established the church in Acts 18, was there divisions and contentions in that moment? No. They're just getting started. But look at 10.1. What's the first word? Now I beseech you, brethren. Two or three years later, what, what is in there now? Divisions and contentions. So you follow what's going on? You see, when the divisions and contentions started at Corinth, it wasn't in Acts 18 when he got started. It comes a couple years later, resulting in him having to write an epistle to them that says, you guys have a bunch of, you're not speaking the same thing, you're not thinking the same way, you don't have the same judgment, and you guys need to knock it off. And oh, by the way, what's causing the division is you guys have allowed four little doctrinal systems to come in. You've left the main source, i.e. the Apostle Paul, and now and water baptism is the mechanism being used to trigger everything. And that's important because is water baptism scriptural? Yes. It's just... You have to consider it dispensational. And again, what is Satan's ploy? Good words and fair speeches. Deceive the minds, hearts of the Get them off. How do I do that? Well, some are of a Christ, some are of a Cephas, some are of Apollos, and some are following Paul. You see, now, now there's contention. So in verse 14, when Paul says, I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, he's not saying... I, I'm not baptizing any of you, and I praise the Lord I didn't, because look at how messed up you are. He's saying water baptism is of no import. It's less and less the issue here. Verse 15 and 16, lest any should say that I had baptized in my own name, and I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Now watch this. Besides, I know not whether I baptize any other. Wait a minute, Paul. You start in Acts 13 to, to, 19, to, to well, Acts, 19, Acts 20. He's baptizing at every other turn of the page. But he doesn't remember. He's not keeping a diary. He's not keeping a log. Why? It's of no importance. It has an import in the moment. But now it's lost its significance. And that's going to be critical here. Again, why does Paul baptize? Well, verse 17, he says, For Christ sent me not to baptize. So then why does he? Not because there were divisions and contentions, but he does baptize some folks. And again, in Paul's view, he's, he's I'm glad I didn't baptize all of you, you know. Why? I'm not sent to do that, see. By the way, if this 
issue over water, if, if there is an issue over water, why didn't Paul say here, I thank you, I think you all should be water baptized. If water baptism is so important and it's a unifying thing, it's a unifying issue, then why didn't he say, I think you all should be baptized? Because it's not, see. If we could get you, the Corinthians, all water baptized, then that would solve the divisions and contentions. But it isn't. So water baptism is not bringing unity. You see what's going on here? Okay. All right, let's pray and you guys can go have an hour of fellowship. No. All right. Fat chance. You see, Paul's answer is not let's get all of you water baptized. It's rather I'm glad I didn't. Why? Because it's problematic. It's being used as a divider, not a uniner. And Paul, again, Paul is not stressing the importance of water baptism. Rather, he's stressing what's causing the divisions and contentions, the wisdom of words. And that's these, the result of the different thought patterns and different doctrinal statements about water baptism. And that's the critical point here. Because water baptism does not take pl- it, it, it doesn't hold a place of importance or prominence at all in Paul's ministry. And again, if water baptism is so important, then why doesn't the Apostle Paul say, when I come back and visit you, we're all going down to the river. Even you, you know, and let's get this done. He doesn't at all. He doesn't say that at all. He's actually arguing the opposite, okay? So let's think about water baptism here for a little bit. Think about Christ and Cephas and Apollos. So Paul, he's the first one in the list. Does Paul have, do all of these four guys have stuff to say about water baptism? Yes. What does Paul say, verse 17? I thank God that or for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. See? He says, I wasn't sent to do that, and I thank the Lord for that. What about Apollos? Historically, Acts 18, we'll get over there in just a minute, he's, he, he knows only the way of John the Baptist. So we have to think about how Apollos is going to approach this, because of how does John the Baptist approach it? Cephas. Peter, well, does he have some stuff to say? Yeah, Acts 1 to 7. He's got quite a bit to say about it, especially Acts 2.38. What about the Lord? Yes, in his earthly ministry, they all have something to say. So if they were all saying the same thing about water baptism, then why is there divisions and contentions? Why is he bringing it up here? Why is he stressing it here, see? Because he is. He spends one, two, three, four, five, six verses on it. That's that's a stressor in Paul's epistles, by the way, okay? Why is he doing that? Well, because they're not saying the same thing. So there is no harmony. There is no unity. There is no oneness. Now, 
let's think about Christ. Uh, come back over with me to John chapter 4. So as we look at the four, again, we're rightly dividing the word of truth. And we begin to understand that these, there are systems here. And again, I said it last time, the writings of the Apostle Paul, Romans to Philemon, they supersede all other written scripture. They're the last of the revelation, of the progressive revelation. So they're going to supersede everything else. Why? Because that's what's given to us today. Look at John 4. Think about Christ and his earthly ministry. John 4 and verse 1. When therefore the Lord knew how that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples. So the Lord is doing what in those two verses? He's commanding what? Baptism, water baptism. Okay? He, he's not suggesting it. He's commanding it. So the thing about water baptism, as we look at it with the four, the question is, is this optional or is this a requirement? Well, here it's a what? It's a requirement. Matthew 28. We were talking about this just a minute ago. Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, and to them here are the eleven disciples. This is, uh, post, he's, this is after the resurrection. Baptizing, uh, he says unto them, Go ye, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. By the way, all nations, that's the Gentiles. Numbers 23 says Israel is never to be numbered among the nations. So we are in the millennial kingdom. What are they going to do? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. What's going on here? Is baptism in the millennial kingdom a requirement? Yes, it is. Why? He just told them. You're going to go do everything I commanded you to do. By the way, that's Matthew 5. That's teaching the law. And it's also what? Water baptized. See, this is out in the future. Earthly ministry, what's he doing? He's educating them here. By the way, what was Paul? 1 Corinthians 1.17. I was not sent to baptize. Come over to Mark 16. Mark 16. The subcommission here for when they're going to be operating and functioning during the uh, days leading up to and into the 70th week of Daniel, the tribulation. Mark uh, 16 and verse 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. Isn't that interesting? If you're going to say, I'm going to get saved, what do you have to do? You've got to believe. And what, that, what is that belief going to cause you to do? Be baptized. You're going to be saved. It's an interesting thing there. It's not a suggestion. It's not an option. It's a what? It's a requirement. 
So in the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, water baptism is a what? It's a requirement. You can't, there's no way out. In John, he'll talk about the sheep that hear my voice and the porter, John 10. He says, verse 1, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep heareth his voice. The door into the sheepfold, the door into the little flock is John's baptism. The porter that opens the door is John the Baptist. The shepherd is who? The Lord. What does the porter do? He opens the door, John waters back, and the shepherd goes in, John 3 or John 1, he's baptized of John. And then also, so is the little flock going that way. So, so water baptism in the earthly ministry is required. There's not an option here. Now, come over to Acts 18. Let's think about John the Baptist, i.e., Apollos, John, uh, Acts 18. And think about Apollos here because he's listed. But when you think about Apollos, again, <laughs> You have to remember where we're at historically and in time. Apollos doesn't stay here. All right, Acts 18 to 24. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, northern Egypt, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the Spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. So then what does he, what, how, how's Apollos going to act here concerning water baptism? It's going to be like John the Baptist did it. It's not an option, it's a what? It's a requirement, see? Okay, and again, Here's a man, he's eloquent in the scriptures, Old Testament scriptures. He only knows to John. And again, what's John doing? John's announcing the Messiah. He doesn't understand that the Messiah has come. He's died, been buried, resurrected, and ascended. He doesn't get that. He doesn't understand. He just knows to hear. Say, the law and the prophets were until John. And then the kingdom's preaching. Every man pressed into that. He doesn't even know the kingdom part. He just knows right here. To John, but in my in thinking about water baptism, what's he's gonna he's got limited understanding, even though he's eloquent in the scriptures. See, verse twenty six, and he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them, and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. So what they do. Well, evidently, verse 28, for he mightily convinced the Jews and that publicly showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. So evidently, what did Aquila and Priscilla do? By the way, they're Jews as well. They're members of the body of Christ. Apollos becomes a member of the body of Christ. He's not a member of the little flock because he doesn't know that, Christ, that Jesus was Christ. He just knows to hear. So what do they do? They bring him up more perfectly in the way of God. They bring him in the way of, uh, expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. What did they do? They said, yes, you're good to hear, but look, here, this Jesus of Nazareth, 
And then they take him through the scriptures of the Old Testament. And what's he begin to say? Yep, the one that they just killed down there a couple years ago, <laughs> dead, buried, and resurrected, he is who? The Christ. But where is he preaching this? In the synagogue. See, he's in connection with Paul's provoking ministry. And what's he doing? He's down there provoking them. Why? But again, in water baptism, in the Lord's earthly ministry, it's required. It's not optional. So what is Apollos, even though he's limited in his understanding, even though he's mighty in the scriptures, all he knew was the baptism of John, he's brought up to date. But he still goes to who? To the Jews. By the way, that's in verse 27. When he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who, when he was come, helped them much, which had believed through grace. Helped them much? How? He went into that synagogue with them and helped them duke it out, helped them reason with them in the synagogue. He helped them go in there. By the way, the church at Corinth, what's right next door? The synagogue, see. So there's a helper there. Okay, now Apollos later, he, you know, gets caught up with Paul and, and is brought more fuller in his understanding. The thing to remember about Apollos is he's teachable. He wasn't, ang he wasn't an angry Jew. <laughs> he was very teachable, see, and he grew. So he, again, Apollos limits his ministry, if you will, to the synagogue, to the unbelieving Jew. But his idea, come over to John 1. John chapter 1, here's how John the Baptist thought about his, his ministry and what he was to do. This is how Apollos would present it, okay? Do you guys follow Apollos? He's a wonderful man. He's a good guy. He even, I mean, but, and he's well aware of Paul and who Paul is and so forth. But in the, in the context of 1 Corinthians 1, what do they do? What does he know in this moment? This is Acts 18, where we started the church at Corinth. What does he He doesn't know any. He hasn't been edumacated up yet, as they would say. Look at John 1. Look at verse 32. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water... The same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same as he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. Isn't that? John, look at what John said. John says, I'm out here water baptizing, and then I got, and, and the one that sent me to baptize said, This is how you're going to identify the Messiah, and you're going to get to. What did Paul say? I was not sent to baptize. John says, I was sent to baptize. So what's Apollos going to do? He's going to water baptize. Why? Because that's what John said. I was sent to do this. Come over to, come over to Mark 1. Mark 1, verse 4. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remissions of sins. So what do you think Apollos was teaching when he was teaching on water baptism? You need to be water baptized for the remission uh, of repentance for the remission of sins. Now, Aquila and Priscilla will bring him up to date on Paul's gospel, but what's he preaching? Water baptism for, repent, for the remissions of sins. See, by the way, that's not an option. That's a requirement. Come over to Matthew chapter 3. So 
John the Baptist is going to be water baptizing because he was sent to do it. That's number one. Number two, it's for the remissions of sin, so it's a requirement. And then number three, Matthew 3 here, I mean, if you think about it, if you wanted to be clean and ready to go and receive the Holy Ghost what'd you, and the remissions of sins, you had to be water baptized. That wasn't optional for these folks, see. And again, nowhere in any of the Gospels does it say that water bat, the reason for water baptism is an outward expression of an inward faith. It just does. That's wisdom of words. And watch Matthew 3. Look at verse 6. And were baptized of him, this is John, in Jordan, confessing their sins. So if you really wanted to be baptized, you know where you're going to be? In Jordan. Okay, so I'm here. Let's go. All right. 500 bucks a head. Come on, let's get her done. Right? I got bills to pay. <laughs> no. See? But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, Oh, wonderful people, so glad you came. Great to see you. Praise the Lord. No, he says, Oh, generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee, watch, from the wrath to come. Why is he water baptizing? Because there's some wrath coming. And the only way to escape the wrath, the only way to avoid the wrath is to be identified with what God's doing. And what's God doing? He's establishing that little flock, the 12 apostles and the believing remnant. And how do I get identified with them? I have to be what? Water baptized. How am I identified with the Messiah? Water baptized. Now look at verse 11. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Think about that. Water, you're going to get the remission of sins. The Holy Ghost, there's Acts 2, another comforter. But then fire, judgment. By the way, nobody talks about the fire baptism. They all talk about the other two. Why? Because it's not a... Why? What's going to happen? Verse 12, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Apostate Israel is going to get toast. They're going to get burned up. Believing remnant, you're going to get, you're going to be rescued. So Acts 2, Peter will tell him, you come out of that untoward generation, and you get in over here where God's doing, and how you do that is through the mechanism of water baptism. Now, Cephas, come over to Acts 2. So Apollos, i.e. John the Baptist, who, I mean, again, Apollos only knew what John taught about water baptism. Again, it's what? Required. It's not optional at all. It's not some fancy wisdom. It's what's required. Now, look at Acts 2, and look at what Peter says. And Peter's clear, verse 37, 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus whom ye have crucified both Lord and Christ. By the way, Acts chapter number 10, verse number 45, indicates that there was no Gentile, that no Gentile was included in any of the Acts 1 to 7 events. Okay? And I say that because sometimes you hear people say, well, there were Gentiles here in Acts 2 that are part of, and therefore that's where, how the church started. 
But Acts 10.45 says differently. And we'll get over there in just a minute, okay? I'll say that now because I see my note and I don't want to forget that. Verse 37. Now when they, the house of Israel, heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent, change your mind about how you think about who Christ is, the Messiah. So repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You see the, you see the ands? What's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to repent. You're going to change the mind about who you just crucified and the fact that he is Lord in Christ. He is the Messiah. But not, not only that, you're going to come over here now and you're going to be water baptized so that you can have the remission of sins. And when you do that, guess what you're going to get? You're going to get the Holy Ghost on you. The Lord Jesus Christ never preached that. He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He said, you need to repent, and you need to be baptized for the remission of sin. But he never said, you're going to do all that and get the Holy Ghost. Peter adds a little, that third and there, if you will. That's Peter's ministry. Now, the, the wisdom of words system will lead someone to come and teach and, or lead you to get water baptized for something else, for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. By the way, when you trusted Christ, what did you get? The indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But we got to have that supernatural woo thing, and it, it's not here at all. Okay, now come over to Acts 10. By the way, keep in Acts 2, look down at verse 40. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. You can't save yourself from your sin. But Peter just told them to do what? Save yourself. So Peter is not talking to the church, the body of Christ here. Who's he talking to? The believing rent, the little flock. How do they save themselves? Repent, be baptized, and get the Holy Ghost. Verse 41, he, the end of that says, uh, uh, there was about 3,000 souls that believed that. So just a minority group of the big did what? Heard it and took it and said, that's what we got to do. Okay? Now, come over to Acts 10. Obviously, Acts 10 is after Acts 9, so the dispensational change is already on board. But just think about Acts 10 here with Peter going to talk to Cornelius, a Gentile. If you look at Acts 10, uh, start there just quickly here in verse 11. Uh, Peter here, uh, he goes up on the housetop there in verse 9. He's hungry, verse 10, kind of dozes off. Uh, he's in a trance, the end of verse 10, verse 11, and saw heaven open and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. But there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill, and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. That's a pretty dogmatic statement, isn't it? And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. This was done thrice, 
and the vessel was received up again into heaven. Now, while Peter doubted in himself what was this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from uh, Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. Now the guys show up from Cornelius. Now drop down to verse 34. Then Peter, now they show up, they say, hey, Cornelius wants to see you. And they talk Peter and some of the circumcision guys to go over and do. So verse 34, then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth I perceive that God is, isn't that interesting, no respecter of persons. Peter didn't say that in verse number 14. What did he say in verse 14? God is a respecter of persons. Why? Because if you're not of the circumcision, if you're not of the house of Israel, you're common and unclean. So what are we going to respect? The circumcision, disrespect the uncircumcision. Here now, what's Peter learning? He's learning anything about the dispensational uh, uh, doctrine revealed to Paul. He's learning God's doing something different now. That's, what, that's all Peter's learning. See, Peter's learning that, you know what, God is now not a respecter of persons, neither Jew nor Greek, neither, Gentile, neither bond nor free, neither male nor female. None of that is the issue anymore. See, Peter's not learning why, the why. He just knows this is what God is doing. This is what that sheet was all about, see. You follow that? See, Pete's not on board with Paul's gospel, Paul's doctrine. He gets that in Acts 15. Here, he just knows God's doing something different. So he begins to teach. By the way, how you know that is if you look at verse 35. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. What does Paul say to you and I in Titus 3, 5? Not by works of righteousness. What did Peter just say? Completely the opposite. How do you get around that? How do you go follow your wisdom of words to abracadabra, zoom, boom, boom, Paul didn't really mean it, and this, you know, or Peter didn't really mean it, you know, and then off you are. Now, drop down quickly, for verse 43. So Peter preaches to him. Verse 43, To him gave all the prophets and witnesses that through his name, whosoever believeth in him, shall receive remissions of sins. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Peter didn't even get to the baptism part, and what do these Gentile believers, by the way, little flock members, have? They got the Holy Ghost already. Well, wait a minute. What's the order? What's the formula? Repent, be baptized, get the Holy Ghost. What's happened here? They repented, but they got the Holy Ghost. How do you know? Verse 45, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. Now, that's a wonderful statement. As many as came with Peter, because that on the, Holy, on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost, for they heard them speak the tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, how did they know the Gentiles had the Holy Ghost? They're speaking in tongues, the evidence of being filled with the Holy Ghost. You see, the circumcision believers were astonished. What happened here? The Gentiles have got our stuff, and they got our stuff out of order. What's going on here, Pete? Pete's like, I don't know. Ask the Lord. <laughs> I just know things are changing. By the way, verse 47 then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water 
that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. Not optional for Pete. He commanded them. But think about the circumcision believers here. They're astonished. Why are they astonished? One, the Gentiles are getting their stuff. Two, it's all out of order. It's all out of whack here. See, It isn't in the right order at all. Again, Peter commands them. He doesn't ask them. Come back to 1 Corinthians 1. He doesn't say, hey, I think maybe you ought to. He says, do it. And again, I'll just say Acts 15 with, the, with Paul meeting with Peter and James and John and so forth. Then they perceive the grace that's given to him and everything, and that's what's going on, okay? Now, what's Paul's attitude about water baptism? 1 Corinthians 1.17, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. John, the Lord, Peter, it's all required. There's no optional. There's commands. There's no wiggle room. Paul's answer is, I wasn't sent to do it. Has nothing to do with the gospel of the grace of God today. Okay, Paul, then why did you do it? Well, come over to Romans 11. See, we've already been through Romans 11, so we ought not have that question come up, but it does, and that's okay, because we don't always think about where we ought to be thinking. Romans 11, 11. I say then, have they that they there is Israel, stumbled that they should fall, God forbid. Israel does stumble. They stumble over the rock of offense. They stumble not only over the earthly ministry, but they actually stumble over the life of Christ. They miss him at his birth all the way through. But rather through their fall, salvation has come unto the Gentiles. Okay, so they stumbled. They don't fall. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. But then they do fall. That's Acts 7, the stoning of Stephen, the unpardonable sin of, of blaspheme against the Holy Ghost. They do, but, but, but notice the verse, but rather through their fall. So because they do fall, now what? Salvation is sent to the Gentiles for to provoke them. Who's the them? Israel to what? To jealousy. So when Paul goes into, in his Acts ministry and he heals he raises the dead he sends the hanky through the mail his shadow gets he speaks in tongues he water bath all of that is done to do what to provoke israel to jealousy that's what he's doing none of that has anything to do with the gospel of the grace of god that was given to him i'm provoking by the way they verse 12, now if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles. The dimin- What's Israel going to do? Diminish away. Become what? Less and less import. Not on the page. I mean, by the, by the end of, of Acts 28, they, they are just a numbered with the nations out there in God's estimation. Verse 13, for I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify my office, if by any means I might provoke 
to emulation them which are my flesh and might save. Emulation, the act of a... Uh, the act of attempting to be equal or excel. You know what Peter says in Acts 15? We got to go get saved like they do. And the we there isn't the circumcision believers. The we is the Jew. Who is P He's a Jew. He goes, the Jews got to go get saved now like the Gentiles do. It's crazy. And you get some dumb thump man going, you know, runneth off at the mouth. Sorry. Acts 8, uh, go back to 1 Corinthians 1. Okay. So why does, what is Paul's attitude about water baptism? Not required? It's not even optional. You don't need it. Don't do it. By the way, to do it is an act of unbelief. It's an act of lack of faith. Because what's the Word of God say? You don't need it today. So don't do it. How, why, then why am I doing it? Wisdom of words. Dance around it. One, now, now, just on that, look at uh, verse 14. 1 Corinthians 1.14. I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius. Now, Crispus, come back to Acts 18. Acts 18. The beginning of the church at Corinth. Acts 18. Acts 18 and verse 7. You got to remember this because he mentions Crispus and Gaius. Gaius, mine host, the end of Romans there, prominent figure there at the city of Corinth. But look at Acts 18.7. And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house. He's in the synagogue, verse 6. He leaves. He goes right outside, goes right into just, uh, uh, the man's house named Justice. By the way, some say that Justice there is Gaius, but I have never found any scriptural ability to make that connection. But one that worshiped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house, and many of the Corinthians hearing believed, and were what? Now, why does Paul baptize Crispus? Who is Crispus? He's the chief ruler of the synagogue. So Paul baptizing here, again, provoking ministry, comes over here, and because of the position of leadership that Crispus holds, who is he? Chief ruler of the synagogue. He's important, see. Now the Jews see him, their former senior pastor, if you will, get water baptized by Paul, and now he's going to that Gentile church? What's going on over there? See. So Paul, in light of the provoking ministry, does water baptize, but at a point, 1 Corinthians 1.17, you know what he says? No more. And that point is in Acts 19, down in, at the end of Acts 19, in about verse 22, and I'll be honest with you, from Acts 19.22 to the end of Acts 28, Paul never water baptizes another individual on the pages of Scripture. Why? Because Christ said it's done. No more. Don't do it anymore. Sent me not to baptize. Why was Paul baptizing? The provoking ministry. We got two minutes. Go back to Acts 16 just real quick here. Because he does baptize people. And, and, and so Paul, 
He does water baptize. He does circumcise, by the way. He does heal. He does have visions. He does raise the dead. He does the hanky thing. He does all of that. The hanky thing is the napkin. He sends it in the mail. The guy gets healed, okay? You thought the guys just made that up on TV. It comes right out of the pages of the book here. So in 1 Corinthians 1, water baptism is the source of the divisions and contentions at Corinth. And the reason is, is because the wisdom of words are what's being used. And that wisdom of words is the outward expression of an inward faith. Walk the aisle. Come on down here and walk. You know, that's so dangerous because it makes you think you had a part in your salvation, your justification. There's not a verse that says that at all. Now, real quick, we got a minute now. Acts 16. Do you see verse 14? And a certain woman named Lydia, okay, verse 15, and when she was baptized, so Paul baptizes Lydia. But look back up in verse 13. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by the riverside. Whose Sabbath is that? That's the Jew's Sabbath. By the way, don't let anybody ever tell you it's a Christian Sabbath. That's heresy. comes out of the pagan doctrine. Okay, there, there's, it's the Jewish Sabbath. Verse 3, go back up to verse 3. Him would Paul, him, Ty, Ty, uh, Timothy, would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters? Why did Paul uh, circumcise Timothy? That provoking the Jew, the Jews are there, the testimony and the issues there. What's going on with Lydia? Why does he baptize Lydia? They're on the Sabbath day. They've been up at the synagogue. Now they're outside. They're down by the river. And what's happening? See? There's a testimony there of a Jew being converted, becoming, getting saved, and moving on into the church, the body of Christ. By the way, Acts 16, you got the Philippian jailer, verse 30. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Period. There's no repent and be baptized. What they believe? They believe Paul's gospel. They believe that Christ died for my sins, was buried and rose again the third day, and I needed it. Then, two verses later, he was what? Why was he baptized? Who's, who's watching the scene happening? That provoking ministry. So there's, you got to be, you know, 1 Corinthians 1, we'll pick up in verse 17 again and catch some things in there and move forward. Water baptism, because of the wisdom of words, is what's used to, to divide and to cause the contentions. And Paul says, don't. There's never a command to do. There's never a suggestion. There's no, you just need... You, Corinthians, you just got to get back over here following the only source of doctrine today, which is the revelation given to the Apostle Paul. We would be wise to do the same thing. We really would. Okay? All right. Dear Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for everything that you've given to us in your son and then revealed to us through the Apostle Paul. And we have it written down in our King James Bible. In your name we pray. Amen. All right.